First John chapter 4 and verse number 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because, he is, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. Uh, we talked the last couple of weeks about checking our love level uh, for the sake of just changing things up. We've got a different title tonight, but we are still going to talk about love. I want to talk to you tonight about the power of love. Don't be... You know, love will mess you up, Brother Pat. It, it'll... But that's not the kind of love I'm talking. You know, Brother Tommy, I, I'm going to let you be seated here and just say, Brother Tommy, but uh, love will make you do dumb stuff. But that's not the kind of love that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the power of God's love in our life. is the most powerful force on planet earth. I want to talk to you tonight about the power of love. Will you throw your hands in the air and let's talk to the Lord for a moment. Father, right now we open our minds and we open our spirits to receive whatever it is that you would like to say to us tonight. God, I pray that through your word, that you would help us to know and believe the love that you have toward us. Let us be completely convinced of the power that is in your love and that you love us unconditionally. I pray tonight, God, you open our ears to hear what the Spirit would say. Open my mouth to speak exactly what you want spoken. We thank you, oh God. I thank you for your anointing that we feel even at this moment. Almighty God, I thank you for your presence. I thank Thank you for the angelic hosts that you have encamped round about us this evening. Lord, speak to us and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. And with that, you can be seated. Thank you for standing for the word. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been talking about your love level. We've been talking about uh, the, the level of the love of God that is manifested in our lives. And we went to... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we dissected that, and uh, uh, the, the word has just been like a sword the last couple of weeks and has hacked on us. I don't know about y'all, but it's just cut on me and, and uh, worked on me. And uh, so, so I want to talk to you some more about love. But I plan tonight, at least I think, uh, Sister Lanham, that it is not going to be quite as painful this evening as it has been the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've been talking about agape love, that is divine love. It's perfect, it is unconditional, it is sacrificial, and it is pure. And the, the writer, John, that we, we read in 1 John, he said that our love could be made perfect. Alright, so let's, let's back up for a moment. Last week we talked about the source of love. Who is, what is the source of love? It's not that cute thing that you're sitting beside tonight. The source of love is God. Love is of God. He is the originator. He's where 
all agape love comes from. You can't have agape love outside of a relationship with God because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And so we are to be conduits of His love. His love uh, is, is in us. But how is it then that if that love comes from Him and He is perfect, elbow somebody and say, He is perfect. The writer goes on and he says, here is how our love is made perfect. His love is perfect, but it's made perfect. The writer, he says, herein is the love of God perfected. Well, you need to look at the previous verse to figure out how is it perfected. It's perfected in that we know and believe the love of God. Now, that might sound superficial, it might sound elementary, uh, but to know the love of God is more than just to uh, have a thought in my head, yep, I know God is love. But that word to know, it is, uh, it's to know something experientially. Um, I guess an example of that would be, how many have ever flown in an airplane? Okay, now, if you have never flown in an airplane, you don't know what it's like to fly. You believe that airplanes can fly. Now, wait, wait who, who has flown an airplane before? I'm going to tell you, the first time I flew, Brother Franco, the first time I flew, I got a window seat and I was just amazed. Here we are, 35,000 feet in the air, and I, I sat there thinking, this huge plane is being held up by air. That's just amazing to me. I, I stayed, I, I don't remember, four, four hours this way, two hours that way, four hours this way, three. It was like eight hours I was on a plane that day. And I stayed awake the whole time looking out the window going, wow, that's amazing. The next time I flew, Zeke went with me and I gave him a window seat. I think he was asleep before we were in the air. But I wasted that seat on him. I should have sat in the window seat. You know, you get on that plane, and I don't know if anybody's ever watched the wings when the thing takes off, and the wings kind of bow up a little bit when the weight of that plane. Uh, when you fly, you, have a, you know what it's like to fly. It's different than just knowing planes can fly. I don't want to just know, yeah, God loves me. I, I want us to experience the fact that God's love has embraced us. It has encompassed us. It's been a banner over us. It's been a, it's been a fire by day before us. It's been, a, it's been a fire by night. It's been a cloud by day. I, I want to experience the love of God. It's not enough just to know He loves us, but to experience that love. And then He says we need to believe. And that's, again, that's not just something in our heads, but it is uh, to, to be in trust. It is to entrust in the love of God. And I want to talk about that for a little bit tonight. But the results of knowing and believing in His love is that it frees us from fear. And fear has torments. So tonight I want to start by saying, God loves you. Somebody asked Billy Graham, what's the greatest revelation uh, that he's ever experienced? What's the greatest revelation from the Bible? And he said, the greatest revelation in all my years of studying the Word of God is Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. 
if we get a hold of that revelation. How do we know that God loves us? Uh, in 1 John 4, 9, it says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. And John, Jesus said this, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. God proved His love for us in that He was willing to come as a man, that He was willing to die on a cross. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth, it just means it, it is an, an exhibit of God's love. Hereby perceive, 1 John 3.16, hereby perceive or to know absolutely. Here we perceive or know absolutely the love of God because He laid down His life for us. He proved His love. Somebody say amen. Here's what true love, I know we get around Valentine's Day, you know, and you got, in fact, we get hearts all the time. How many of you have a heart emoji? Don't, I, I got, I, there was already looks back here in the congregation. You've been, y'all been sending little heart kissy emojis back and forth. Do y'all remember whenever to get a heart emoji, you had to do the less than three thing? Yeah, and now technology's gone so big, Brother Anderson, you can send Sister Sarah all different flavors of hearts, you know. You got ones with arrows and, and ones that look like they're beaten. Uh, but that's not really what love looks like. The true symbol of love is a cross. The true symbol of love, the true representation of love, it looked like uh, being betrayed by those that love you. It looked like a cat of nine tails. It looked like people mocking him and saying, if you're really the Christ, why don't you come down from the cross? the true symbol of love. Love looked like a crown of thorns on the top of his head. It looked like being forsaken by those that were closest to him. Love looked like three nails nailed to two hands and through his feet. It looked like a man that was openly crucified. It looked like a man who was willing to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what love looked like. Love looks like a side pierced and blood and water running out. Love looks like a man that has no friends or relatives to take care of his burial arrangements, no formal ceremony to mark his passing, and no final resting place. That's what true love looked like. I want you to understand tonight, ladies and gentlemen, God loves you that much. Hereby we know the love of God in that he was willing to die for us. Here's what love looks like. He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Surely he's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Why did he do all of that? Because he loves you and me.
It's the love of God. I don't understand it. No matter how hard you try, you will not be able to comprehend in your mind why he did it because love is illogical. But love never fails. And he came to this place and poured out his blood because he loves us. Jesus, can we lift our hands right now and just thank Him for the love. God, I thank You that You loved us enough to shed blood. You loved us enough to, to come here, to, to, dis, to, to come off of Your throne, to robe Yourself in flesh, to come amongst us, to, that You would take upon Yourself no reputation. God, I thank You that You loved us that much. Now, ladies and gentlemen, saints of God, I ask You, if He was willing to do that, if He loved us that much, what would He not do for His children? In that He was willing to do that, He will never come up short in our lives. Uh, I'll meddle for just a second if I can because here's something that we would say and, and say so with a pure motive. I don't deserve that love. It's true. I don't deserve that love. You don't deserve that love. But here's what I want you to understand about that love. It's not about you being good. It's about Him being good. It's not about us deserving it. It's about, that's His nature, to love us. And He calls us His children. The other night, youth camp, man, it was a great service. Brother and Sister Anderson were there. Great service. And they were singing a song. And, and I, 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 if y'all saw me look at my phone earlier in service, it was because Meredith was texting me the name of this song, but I didn't have time to look it up. And I'm not trying to be negative, but... The, the song starts out with, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve... I, and if we're not careful, I, I understand what that means. It means I, there's nothing that I did to merit your love. But I want you to flip it around the other way and realize that we are the sons and daughters of God. And you do stuff, if you're a good parent, you do stuff for your kids that they didn't earn all the time. Got a good strong amen back here in the corner. There's six words I despise, Brother Ben. When my wife is out of town or she's gone or whatever, I don't know where, you know, if she's just not at home that day. Probably around 11 o'clock, I hear these six words. What are you making for breakfast? And the truth is, Zeke's 17 years old, Meredith is 15 and loves to cook. There's food in the refrigerator. I have no intention of fixing breakfast. <laughs> You're not going to starve. But the reason that I hate those six words, Brother Ben is because the implication behind it is something like, are you going to let us starve? <laughs> no! I'm not going to let you starve. 
Now, I know you didn't go get a job. You didn't go to Grant's and buy these groceries. Nevertheless, I'm not going to let you starve. Why? Because you're my child. And I am responsible for you. Whether I, whether I make you breakfast or I just provide you the means so you can make your own breakfast, I assure you I'm not going to let you starve. Somewhere our Heavenly Father is saying, I am not going to let you starve. I am not going to allow this to destroy you. No matter what it looks like, it may, not, it may look like I'm not going to fix you any breakfast, but I promise you I am not going to let you go. It's not about what we deserve. It's about His goodness. We cannot, oh, somebody needs to hear this. We cannot tie our faith to our goodness. We cannot tie our expectation of what He's going to do to our righteousness. Matthew 14, 14. Jesus went forth, saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion toward them. And He healed their sick. And Jesus called His disciples to Him. And He said, I have compassion on the multitude. I'm, I'm sorry, that was two different scriptures. He went forth and He healed them because He had compassion. He saw a great multitude. They, he didn't, they didn't all have individual interactions with Jesus. Jesus didn't go, oh yeah, I know you, you're a good guy. And sometimes, oh man, sometimes we pray dumb stuff. Just blow everything up here, Brother Justin. Sometimes we pray, oh God, she's a good woman of God. She's a, that has nothing to do with it. You know, we're praying for the sick. God, she's, a bit, she's been a faithful servant to you. How about, God, you're good all the time. Because it's not about so-and-so deserves to be healed or so-and-so deserves provision or so-and-so deserves a miracle. It's about God. You are able. He fed the 4,000. Did every one of those deserve it? I doubt it. But He fed them because He had compassion on them. I, I could go on through this. I have a whole list of them. Uh, he had compassion on the blind and they, they received their sight. He had compassion on the lepers and they were, received their healing. It says that he, went to the, he was going through the city of Nain one time in the Bible. I can't find that he's ever in the city of Nain. And there's a funeral procession going through there. And he stops the funeral procession, prays uh, for this young man. And he arises. Is that because that young man was good or because his mama was good? I, I can't find that Jesus was ever in name ever before that those people could have done anything to cause Jesus to love them but he was just full of love it's not about what we deserve in first or in the book of John chapter number 11 for all you Bible quizzers Bible memorizers there's a great verse in there you can memorize it right now Jesus wept John 11:35 but in John chapter 11, it's the story of Lazarus dying. Mary and Martha, they send a messenger to Jesus. Your friend Lazarus is sick. And at least three times in John chapter 11, it refers to Jesus loved them. In uh, John eleven five, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, that was Mary, and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place. Y'all know this story? Lazarus is sick. Jesus stayed put. Lazarus dies. 
What did Martha and Mary and Lazarus do to deserve that? What did they do? I don't know. But he proved that if he doesn't choose to heal, he can resurrect. Well, I don't like that. I don't like that. But Ben, I don't like that. Because I want him to show up on my schedule. Because he, if he loves me, he's going to do it the way I want him to. Might not get any further than this. God commands us to love. Somebody say amen. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love everybody. And he tells us that we have to love him. Everybody else we can love unconditionally. It's impossible for us to love God unconditionally. Everybody else, we're supposed to love people who will never love us back. We can't do that with God. Because by definition, He loved us first. We love Him because He loved us first. He tells us, i got to love Sister Sarah, even when she hates me. <laughs> he tells us, you don't hate me today, do you? Okay, good, good, good. There's no prophetic gift working there. He tells us we got to love one another and love others, even when they do things that we disagree with. Even when they do us wrong. We can't do that with God. Because God never does us wrong. We might think that He did us wrong. We might He didn't do it the way I wanted Him to, Brother Josh. Some people hold resentment. They're aggravated at God. No prophetic gift working here. Some people hold grudges against God because God didn't heal so-and-so. God didn't do this. God didn't do it the way God, God I just knew He was going to do this. I want to read you a scripture. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. As for God... His way is perfect. Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And no good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. I want you to get a hold of that. No good thing will He withhold. If you ask and He doesn't give, it's because it wouldn't have been good for you. I don't, I don't, but Tommy, I don't always like it. How many have ever asked for things and you didn't get it? 
How many have ever asked for him to take away things and he didn't take it away? I like that. But if I'll allow the love of God to be perfected in me, then I'll understand that everything that he does is for my good. He's working at all things work together for good. Not your detriment, not for your destruction, not because God is some kind of sadistic up there in the sky just going to torture you. That, that's, that's not the point. The point is that whatever God allows in your life is for your good, and if He takes it away, that is for your good. But He is perfect in all His ways. He's always perfect. No good thing will He withhold from them that love Him. I, I, I want you to get this revelation tonight. It, it is this. A vivid revelation of the love of God results in complete trust. A vivid revelation of the love of God results in complete trust. It is three Hebrew boys saying, God, if you do it, great. If you don't deliver us, we're still not going to bat. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to serve you. However it works out, because I know your ways are perfect. Man. You ever prayed for a job and not got it? You ever prayed for a girlfriend and not got her? You ever prayed? Okay, better, better stop. Better stop. Better stop. We've got to understand God knows what He's doing. God, I trust you. I, I saw, you ever see one of those stupid bumper stickers that says, God is my co pilot? That's dumb right there. If God's your co pilot, you need to change seats. God, I want you to fly this airplane. God, I want you to drive this car. I want you to be in charge because I trust you. God, whenever I ask and you don't answer, I still trust you because you have perfect love toward me. He died for us. He took stripes for us. He took that crown of thorns for us. Don't you think He has your best interest in mind? Don't let the enemy convince you that God has forsaken you, that God's walked away from you, because what can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness or peril or sword, all this stuff should be an indication that God does not love you. Because you're going through tribulation, you're going through peril, you're going through distress, famine, all this stuff. The Apostle Paul, he says, no, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, shall be shall, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When, he, when we get a revelation that He loves us, 
It takes away fear. I know this is a little different tonight. But if, if we'll get a hold of this, then we can really pray things like, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Because I know your will is better than anything I can come up with. I wish that everybody, I, I believe in divine healing. Just wave at me if you believe in divine healing. But God doesn't heal everybody. I, I believe, and we've had it in this church, people that were on their way to the next world, and God raised them up. I believe in divine healing. I, I believe God can, can, can bring people up out of the deathbed but sometimes he doesn't. But here's my understanding, Brother Tommy, is he knows better than I know. And if I'll grab a hold of that, Jesus, I trust you. Because this perfect love casts out fear. And it causes us, and I'm just, I'm just going to talk for a couple more minutes, I think. He says, herein is the love, is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That word judgment, in the Greek, it's spelled K-R-I-S-I-S. -I, -S. I know some of it like, is that spelled Krispy Kreme? It's where we get our word crisis. Herein is the love of God made perfect. And that we would have, so that we can have boldness in the day of crisis. The, because fear has torment. The enemy will try to distract you, manipulate you, divert you with fear. I'm so glad I get up in the morning, Brother Josh, and I don't wonder if Sister Angie's left or not. I mean, there's probably sometimes she don't want to be around. Okay, now, now let's just be real with y'all, all y'all married folks. Some of y'all come home at the end of the day, not because you're so excited to see your spouse, you just come home because that's where you live. Stop pointing at people. <clears throat> she, she, she's downstairs right now. When, when, when she was uh, uh, a, a fur piece along, uh, while, while Charlotte was baking in the oven, and, and, and those, those emotions were going like this, I remember she was laying on the couch one day and she said, I don't know why you all even want to be around me. I said, we don't have any place else to go. <laughs> don't y'all tell her that I told you that story. 
I don't have any doubt. I, I don't wake up with any fear that, that one day she's going to leave me. I mean, there's some days where she don't want to be around me. There's some days whenever it's, it's not a storybook, you know. There's, there's not a lot of heart emojis going back and forth that day. But I don't have any fear that she's going to leave me because I know that she loves me unconditionally. Now, if I do something to sever the relationship, I guess then I would have to worry about, the, yeah, she wouldn't want to be part of the relationship. I understand that. But as long as, I, as long as I'm you know, making some kind of effort, she's going to love me. She's not going anywhere. I don't have any fear about that. We've got to have that kind of understanding. God's not going anywhere. Brother Kevin, you already talked about it. He's never going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's going to go with us always, even unto the end of the world. And in the time of my crisis, I don't have to fear. I can have boldness because He loves me and He's going to work it all out to my good. We don't need to be afraid of what the enemy can do to us. And we don't need to be... Don't sit around and watch CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and all those guys and get terrified about what this world is going to come to. Read the book. I know what this world is going to come to. And he that fears... Go ahead and read the last, the last uh, chapter of the book of Revelation. He that fears is going to be left behind, but he that is bold toward his God, we're going to go out of here when a trumpet sounds. I don't want to have any fear. I just need the perfect love of God in my heart. Will you stand to your feet tonight? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Why don't you lift your hands? We don't even need any music tonight, but I want you to lift your hands. God... I desire a pure revelation of your love. I want to have boldness and not fear whenever my time of crisis comes. Whenever, whenever things are not going right, God, I don't want to have even the slightest bit of fear of whatever the outcome is. God, I want to trust you with everything that is in me. God, fill me with your love. God, overflow me with your love. Give me revelation, oh God, for the Lord, my God, is my refuge. Whom shall I fear? I will trust in the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Oh, mighty God, I love you. God, I thank you for loving me. God, I thank you for loving me. Why don't you take the hand of that person beside you and begin to pray for them. God, I desire the fullness of your love working in me. I desire an abundance and overflow of your love working in me. I desire a revelation of your love working in me. Pray for that individual beside you that God would fill them to overflowing. Your level of love is not static. It is dynamic. It can overflow. God, fill us with your love. If there is a shortcoming, if there's a deficit, God, Fill us to overflowing in the name of the Lord Jesus.